Squeeze the World Gaming for the week. I'm Greg. And I'm Patrick. And we're recording live from the Pat Cave, a secret underground lair where electronic arts cannot reach us with their DLC claws. We have lots of robot toys that will protect us. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I am sipping a delightful concoction of cinnamon tea because my throat is a little bit sore from a camping trip I'll tell you about later. Uh, and... And I have water because I don't like tea. Yes, so please excuse us if either of us start to sound like a hideous frog monster halfway through recording. So how are you doing, Patrick? I'm doing all right. How have you been? Mm. Great. Having a, a wonderful time loving the release of our first episode. Um, have gotten a little bit of feedback on it from folks, hoping to take that into account this episode, and hoping to make it through this episode. So, tra-la-la. Yep. Uh, so to start off, uh, you know, as we always do, uh, what have you been? What have we been playing this week, uh, Patrick? What have you been playing this week, video game wise? Uh, more or less the same as last week. Uh, Final Fantasy fourteen and Persona five. Um, I've also kind of dipped away from Shovel Knight and started playing just some like random stuff like uh, like P Cross, which is a puzzle game. It's pretty fun. You should check I, it out. I love puzzle games. What is the what is the uh, the the main thrust of Cross. What kind of puzzle game is it? Well, there's like um, there's a grid set up. Don't worry, it's not Sudoku. Um, it's oh a, god. Um, okay. Basically, there's there's numbers out on the sides. You have to fill in boxes mm -hmm. based on where you know the numbers say is that there's such and such boxes in this row and such and such boxes in this column, and basically they make a picture. You know what that sounds like to me? What Sudoku. It sounds like... Uh, sounds like you don't know what Sudoku is. It sounds like Sudoku mixed with Minesweeper, um, which, now that I've said that out loud, kind of sounds uh, interesting. Well, Picross is... Kind of sounds desirable. Picross has been around for years, um, but uh, you can... There's like seven Picross games on 3DS that you can download, so... Nice, nice. I'll have to look into that on the 3DS. It's worth checking out, I think. Yeah. What have you been playing? Uh, I have not had a lot of time for video games this week. As I said, I went camping this weekend. Um, some of my wife's family from the Great White North of upstate New York came down oh. uh, this weekend, and they had a, a girls' weekend. So I went camping with my father-in-law and some other members of the family. Um, I So I, I did bring my Vita. I played a little bit of Disgaea 4, which is a lot of fun, although the story is kind of... Very, very anime. Well, it's Disgaea, so... Yeah. Uh, I did beat Horizon Zero Dawn... Nice. Uh, ...the other day. The main story, at least. And I did go and, and grabbed a couple trophies afterwards. I did some of the hunting grounds and stuff. But um, I think I'm done with it for now. Uh, I will probably pick up the DLC expansion whenever the first time it goes on sale is, uh, given the release timetable of DLCs, probably sometime right after Christmas... Um, and try that out and maybe see about getting all the trophies because it has, to be honest, it has one of the higher trophy completion percentages I've seen on a AAA game. It's like 9% of people who've played have the Platinum Trophy, which is pretty insane considering that, you know, a modern AAA audience, most people, you know... They just play through the game once and they trade it in or whatever. Uh, Two-thirds of the people don't even, you know, make it to the ending, of the game, period. Much less do any additional shit. When so. I've seen when I've seen trophy lists, like ha like a grand majority of the time, they they have like a, I guess like um at least when I see the percentages of people who have trophies and whatnot, it's like ninety nine percent have like get to this early early point in the story and then it just like drops off. Yeah, I love to see those. I I love the information that the trophy percentages give you. It lets you see exactly where in the video game people said, okay, this is bullshit, I quit. <laughs> well, I guess um, that's that's what you get when you basically uh, condition a bunch of, uh, you know, you basically condition your audience to play, like, three or four hour single player experiences and then, like, just put the rest in the multiplayer. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would say I've, I've definitely got my money's worth from Horizon. It's probably took me doing a minimum, not a minimum, but a, a, a minority of the additional content, I've probably put between 20 and 25 hours into it, which uh, is, is pretty substantial. Now, I guess a question for you would be, seeing as there were, um, when around the time it came out, uh, there was another game that came out around the same time, and a lot of people were comparing the two. Mm. Um, do you like that better or Breath of the Wild? You know, it's really... 
<laughs> Why would you put me on this spot like that? I well, can considering I can't that you've been bad things about Breath of the Wild, people will kill me. I can say they, bad things about Breath of the Wild. They hurt. They send death threats to reviewers that give Zelda games less than a 9.5. That one dude gave Skyward Sword like an 8, and that was being generous. They got death threats. Ladies uh, and gentlemen, Skyward Sword is a pile of garbage. <laughs> I hate that just game. putting it out there. Um, Story's good, though. It's not entirely fair to compare the two. Uh, I guess they it was... are both sort of open world AAA games. That's what I was about to say, yeah. With a main plot that goes through them. I felt like when I was playing... I actually have not beaten Breath of the Wild. Beaten, beaten Breath of the Wild. Neither yet. have I. Uh, but I felt, ironically, that there was a lot more exploration in Breath of the Wild than there was yeah. in uh, Horizon. I... You know, I still do the 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 recoil and shudder when I open up the the map in Horizon and see the huge, just wall of mini maps, uh, or uh, the huge wall, the mini map covered in in icons like some sort of hyperactive serial killer marking his prey. <laughs> yeah. Um. That that fucking Assassin's Creed has has trained me to the side quester to associate. <laughs> Well, a lot of it is is less than that in um, in Horizon because they also mark places where there are, for example, um, herds of robot dinosaurs that you can ride. Because until you get to a certain point, I made a beeline immediately for the skill that let me summon a robot dinosaur to ride whenever I want. <laughs> because fuck hiding in the tall grass and sneaking up behind a robot. Imagine if every time in The Witcher you had... We're getting off topic already, but imagine That's if fine. every time in The Witcher 3 Geralt wanted to ride his horse. <laughs> you had to hunt through the swamp and sneak up on your horse and use a special magic sign that brainwashes the horse into becoming your horse companion. That's pretty much what the mounts are like at the beginning of Horizon. And I wasn't a huge fan of that part. Like I said, I made the... There's a skill tree, and the, the skill that you get, one of them in one of the trees, allows you to just summon a mount whenever... I made a beeline for that skill and got it really early. Now you know how I feel about stealth games. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a... I'm not a... I, I love stealth games, but... Horizon, very good. Very fun. You should play it. Um, Lance Reddick is the bad guy. He's awesome. Um, most... Uh, if, if they wanted me to not like the bad guy in the game, they shouldn't have cast Lance Reddick as the bad guy. Uh, Chloe is, is the main character. Uh, it's good. Okay. Well, we don't have much of a news roundup mm. this week because fuck the news. We haven't found anything. Um, I like I said before. Um, my main news sources for gaming news are Nintendo Life and Push Square. They're basically under the same umbrella, but they're yeah. just a couple British-based uh, news sites. But I didn't really find much on Nintendo Life because they've just been spending the last week wanking off uh, Super Mario Odyssey, and I don't get, care about. Super Mario Odyssey because I don't own a Switch, nor do I think that I'll own one anytime Man, soon. Man, I will say this though, I've watched some gameplay videos. Mario Odyssey looks good as hell. Note, if if my son is listening to this podcast, turn it off now. When my kid gets a Switch for Christmas, as soon as he goes to bed, my ass is playing Mario Odyssey. <laughs> it looks real good. <laughs> Okay, um, continue. All right, but I did I did find at least um, one or two things of interest uh, on Push Square, um, and uh, one of these I actually found uh, earlier today, because we always bring these things down to the wire, and mm. um, <laughs> um, basically the the uh, what I, what I call the the war on microtransactions. Um, the war on gamers' wallets. <laughs> war on gamers' wallets. It's like um, we're, I, I, we're sort of like the. That's a terrible comparison to make. We're we're not the info wars of video game podcasts, but there's a war on for your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely is. Steam wants it. Ubisoft wants it. Everybody wants your money. And um, we do have a, a champion on our team, I guess you could say. Ooh. Um, Ryuzo, uh, Ryuzo Tsujimoto, the um, producer and head developer for Capcom's Monster Hunter series, has basically gone out of his way to say, 
that for the upcoming um, the upcoming Monster Hunter World for the PS4. PS4, um, yes. The, First Monster Hunter game. There will not be microtransactions. Uh, just went out and said that. He says... No microtransactions. Um, in, a, in, a, in, a, um, in an interview with GameSpot... Um, he says, I think that Monster Hunter already has that kind of randomized item reward uh, into the gameplay. Or, ha or has already built that kind of, I'm sorry, I can't read. Uh, has already built that kind of randomized item reward into the gameplay. You've already kind of got loot as a core gameplay aspect without having to shove a microtransaction version of it in. Uh, and then he continues to say, Our focus is on wanting to get, uh, to get people to play our action game and feel the kind of satisfaction that comes with the achievement you get when completing a hunt and getting rewards. We want people to have the experience that we've made for them rather than the option to skip the experience. That's all good stuff. Yeah. Um, as, as someone who has been... Uh, back, back when microtransactions first kind of started being a thing with Mass Effect 3, mm -hmm. uh, as someone who actually got hooked into that and has spent more money than I wish to... Uh, than I wish to disclose. Oh goodness, you're a whale. You're a Mass Effect Three whale. <laughs> I was. Um, this is you know this was before I stopped wanting to give EA any money. Right. Um, but I spent a lot of money. Uh, I, I spent was... a whole fifty dollar Microsoft gift card. Damn. On Mass Effect loot crates. This was back when we thought that you know Bioware was essentially good at heart. You know. Well, it's, I don't think again it's not really Bioware's. Bioware is a shell of its former self. Mm. Let's. I mean, Bioware has made fantastic games. Uh, they they're one of the folks between behind Baldur's Gate. Mm -hmm. um, they've made uh, Dragon Age. I heard is really good. Um, I was I was going to say I will I will go to bat for the first Dragon Age as a uh, if not an RPG if not a, a, a cl classic at least a modern classic when it comes to RPGs, particularly when you play it on the PC and you can play it in isometric mode like it's Baldur's Gate three. And um and and, all, and despite you know despite what we may say about you know Mass Effect and stuff, I liked the original Mass Effect trilogy, so I, I think that is a, as a high note for them. But still, um the the microtransaction thing that's obviously EA's decision. Um, Mass Effect two was where I started kind of I mean not falling out of the series, but mm -hmm. not liking it as much. Like everyone says, at least from what I've seen, that when they when they look at the the first Mass the original Mass Effect trilogy, Mass Effect 2 was, like, the greatest thing ever made. Um, and I actually kind of saw that as a point downward mm -hmm. because it was taking this awesome shooter RPG hybrid that we had in the first game, and I absolutely loved, mm -hmm. and turning it into your standard hide-behind-chest-high-walls third-person shooter, and I, it didn't... Um, Grab me as much. I mean, it was still a good game, but I don't think I don't rate it nearly as highly as the first one. I will say though, mm -hmm. in terms of your choice of game to wail for, uh, Mass Effect 3's multiplayer was indeed fucking awesome. It was. It was a lot of fun. I had that's like one of the, I think it's one of the the rare games that I actually did focus a lot of multiplayer on, but mainly because it was co op and mm -hmm. I, I I'm not competitive online at all, um, but playing co op was a lot of fun and that. Cool. I have a couple of thoughts about this. First of all, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they end up walking this back because um, this person, like you stated, is a creative director. They're not a suit. And there have been games in the past, in the recent past, uh, most notably Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, uh, which have pledged to not have microtransactions. At least in the case of Battlegrounds, it was to not have microtransactions while the game was in, in early access, which they later walked back and actually put in a, a loot crate system. Um, the other thing is that I don't even... I'm not a massively... I'm not well-versed in Monster Hunter, personally. I have played... I've played more games that were inspired by Monster Hunter than mm -hmm. Monster Hunter alikes. Like, like the Soul series. Uh, not exactly. Well, but I mean, not I exactly. I actually but... make a point but comparing the two, but... Some more stuff like Freedom Wars, um, God Eater. Oh, I like um, God Eater, yeah. Uh, what's it called? Um, the one for Vida. Uh, that's uh, really, Tokiden. really... Not Tokiden. Um, but there are a lot of Monster Hunter Dragon Sogma? 
there's so many. Ragnarok Odyssey. Okay. That's the one. Um, For the record, of, of all of those, I've only played Monster Hunter, but, but um, I have friends who play the others. It would be an extremely difficult, it seems to me at least, type of game to have some sort of loot crate economy in. In fact, the the thing I was thinking of, it would be sort of like adding loot crates to Dark Souls, which I can't particularly fathom as something that would work well in a, in a Souls-like type game. I think it would be interesting to see what Capcom wants to do. Because Capcom, at least with like a lot of their fighting games, they have been like huge advocates for like DLC everything on disc mm-hmm. DLC with the whole. Um, it was a Street Fighter Four Capcom, the Marvel vs. Capcom Three did that, mm. and that was like a big deal. Um, but uh, even considering that, Monster Hunter has been really good with DLC because all of the DLC for Monster Hunter that ever comes out is free. Really? Yeah, I did you, not know that. Yeah, they 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 always just like look. There's this DLC coming out. And then you just download it, and, and it's a lot of stuff. There's, like, more missions and um, crossover costumes. Like, there was, like, uh, Monster Hunter 4 had, like, Mega Man and uh, uh, Devil May Cry and um, mm-hmm. Animal Crossing, I think. <laughs> no, really, Animal Cro- there's Animal Crossing stuff, Metroid, uh, Zelda. Um, nice. They really went all out. And I think there was some... Uh, Shin Megami Tensei or Persona stuff at one point for uh, for the newest one, which is Japan only at the moment. But, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it looks like it, it, they're they're usually really good with that stuff with Monster Hunter. But like I said, it, it would be interesting to see what how Capcom, um, you know, if if they decide to backpedal on that. There are a few developers that approach DLC for paid games and what I would consider to be. The quote-unquote right way. I think I would definitely point at CD Projekt Red as an example of of how to do it correctly. Um, The Witcher 3 had a steady stream of free DLC content. Uh, Everything from different cosmetic outfits for Geralt and Yennefer and Triss to additional Witcher contracts... Uh, a new game plus mode that was added for free. And then you had, you know, two different expansions, which were, uh, which I have not actually played yet, but uh, are both, from what I understand, you know, at least 20 to 25 hours long for a pretty reasonable price. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think that uh, there are good ways to do DLC and there are bad ways to do DLC. Um, and one of the- loot, loot crates in paid games are certainly one of them. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the ones I like to point on is a good way. Just I know I'm I'm getting off topic again here. Oh but, no, that's fine. Um, topic? What topic? Hy- Hyrule Warriors. Um, mm-hmm. I think in more recent years has was one of the better ones because they had, like, um, they you could get like season passes too, mm-hmm. but like the DLC packs were maybe. <coughs> uh, I'll put that out. Like, maybe like five or ten bucks, mm-hmm. and they added hours and hours of gameplay with the new adventure maps and, and new characters you could get. And um, that, I think that they uh, they really knocked it out of the park with that. Hyrule Warriors, by the way, is the best game on the Wii U. Don't let anybody <laughs> tell you different. It's definitely up there. We will have to have a discussion at some point about what the best game on the Wii U is. That'll you're you're going to say Super question. Mario Maker, I know. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't honestly know. Uh, I think you could easily make a case for uh, Breath of the Wild... For Hyrule Warriors, for Bayonetta 2. Uh, but that's a discussion for another time, I Indeed. guess. Because uh, right now we're talking about loot crates. We're talking about microtransaction systems uh, and what we don't like about them. Yep. And um, I think that loot crates... I mean, I don't want to come down as, as completely un- an unequivocal grognard on this. Loot crates have their place. Um... I, I typically do not have a problem with them in free-to-play games because... Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, it, I think it goes back to something that we were talking about last week with regards to games as a service. Um, there's sort of this model where people are playing the game for, um, over a much longer period of time. Yeah. And definitely with free-to-play video games, the money has to come from somewhere. And I don't personally understand it, uh, I, Patrick states that he has, I, I didn't know this about you, uh, was into the microtransaction system in, uh, Mass Effect 3. I have never, uh, spent actual money on a loot crate in my entire life. I don't fully understand it. I have spent, 
uh, money on free to play games. Uh, I will. Oh, I complete have to. complete disclosure. Uh, ethics in gaming journalism. Uh, I have spent about twenty dollars in uh, a free to play game called Path of Exile, which is a game on Steam. Uh, that is a Diablo-like game that is completely free, and it's incredibly good. Uh, they've come out with two expansions. It's completely free. Uh, you can just buy cosmetic DLC and extra pouches for your inventory and shit, and and I gave them money just because I have played it for like 50 hours, and I'm like, damn, you know, I don't know where they're making their money. But people... It's usually through advertising, isn't it? Uh, I don't phone games are like that but i'll phone like, games are like that but primarily been, the industry yeah. relies on whales they rely on people who will spend lots and lots of money um in things like gotcha games like uh, the big american one right now is is fire fire emblem legends or fire emblem heroes whatever the hell the, the phone one is called where mm-hmm. you get you can can spend money to get uh a role that has different heroes in it and there's a chance of getting, you know, the hero you want, or there's a chance of getting the the hero of the the super rare variant that you want. And you know, there's an argument to be had over whether or not it's it's considered gambling. Um, I certainly mm. can see where the same sort of rush would be involved, and people yeah. would make terrible decisions. I I have I have given um, money to free to play phone games if I if I like them and I want to support them. Yeah, like I've done that with um with like Pokemon Shuffle, um I think I did it with Pokemon Go at one point. Um, I think I, did with, I have a Final Fantasy game on there. I did it with two, but um. Oh, you know what? I bought Super Mario Run. Sorry, I forgot. Scandal. Greg forgot <laughs> to disclose all of his microtransaction purchases. Oh no! I did buy Super Mario Run. It's it's a, it's pretty good. Um, yeah. So. Like I said, I don't have a huge problem with with loot crates in free-to-play games. That's fine. I understand the money has to come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. But now it's leeching into single-player games. And and I talked about this last week with the... And I feel like that's a thing I'm going to be saying a lot as we do this podcast. (laughs) With regards to the whole, if you paid $60 for this wrestling game, you deserve to enjoy it without some motherfucker telling you to eat a Snickers. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you deserve to to be able to play it without, you know, having to play this sort of loot crate roulette. Um, bad Offenders, yeah. Overwatch. Um, Overwatch isn't single player, though. Right, but it's... it's Yeah, but it has... Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, the new, even, you know what, the sh- I was going to talk about Shadow of War, where there's an alleged, it's alleged that it's much easier to finish the game if you spend actual money on the loot crates, but, uh, you know what game has sort of this weird, almost vestigial loot crate thing in it? What was that? Horizon Zero Dawn. It's really bizarre. Okay. Okay, you have, you have currency, you have these, like, metal rock chips that you, uh, you get, and every time you, you talk to a merchant in the world, in their inventory, they have one free uh, box for you. It's like a like a new customer box. So it, it gives you an incentive to, to go to all of the merchants on the map. Mm-hmm. And then you pop it open, and it has materials that you can use to craft. And you can spend larger and larger amounts on rarer and rarer boxes that have a chance for extremely rare uh, weapon modifications in it. And it almost feels like... Somebody was testing out a loot crate system in it and at the last moment decided to unhook it from anything involving real world money, uh, which was probably a good decision, but as as much goodwill as I have for Guerrilla Games, it makes me concerned about whatever happens in the inevitable sequel to Horizon with regard to loot crates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... You know, cosmetic DLC, uh, okay, but having to pop open chests to get it, uh, is pretty bad. Like, that's the thing that gets me is, is you don't even have the certainty of getting anything you want. I, I yeah. completely honest, if, if Blizzard had a thing where you could pay, I don't know, seven ninety nine or not, not $9.99, $7.99 or whatever, and get all of the skins 
and all of the voice packs. I don't really care about the voice packs. All of the costumes or whatever for one Overwatch character. I'd consider it, honestly. Uh, I I could see myself shilling. I'm I'm you know a, one of the dreaded Mercy mains, and and I could see myself shilling out for that. But fuck spending money on loot crates in the hopes of getting something that you want. You know, yeah. oh I got a Genji again. You know, I don't I don't give a shit. Okay. But uh, we here at uh, Squeeze World Gaming will always stand against. Uh, any form of gamer exploitation. We are shamelessly pro-consumer. And honestly, if you've paid 60 fucking dollars for Overwatch, you should just get all the goddamn skins for free. How much fucking money has Blizzard made off it already? It's a billion dollars. There's series. a chance you can get Chie. <laughs> God damn it, if they had a fucking Chie skin. But they'd, they'd put it on Winston. They'd put it on the giant monkey. <laughs> they would. Hello there. <laughs> Hello there, Patrick Cullen. <laughs> Let's watch Trials of the Dragon together. Oh, best gorilla. <laughs> best gorilla. Oh, God. Chie is best gorilla. <laughs> Damn it, I had an episode title for this already set up, but that's that one might actually be better. <laughs> so I have something to talk about. Oh, do tell. Uh, this, I have an article to discuss from Sunday in uh, in Kotaku, Kotaku, uh, <laughs> by Luke Plunkett. Uh, it is an interesting new uh, method of getting your video games. Uh, we have all sorts of different ways of getting your video games now. You can get them on your phone. You can get PS Now and stream them from a server somewhere. And now, in a complete... Move back towards brick and mortar. GameStop is offering an unlimited six-month access to pre-owned games. Mm. Mm-hmm. GameStop is introducing a new thing called Power Pass, which is a program that lets you pay $60, then, for six months, play as many pre-owned games as you want. That's $10 per month, essentially, if you're paying attention. Mm-hmm. Power Pass lets you choose a game from GameStop's pre-owned library, Take it home, then swap it for something else when you're done. There's no limit on the number of games you can play during the six months, though you can only be renting one at a time. It's a solid deal, but the best part might be that when the six months are up, you get to choose a pre-owned game to keep. The program is only available to Power Up Rewards members, so the game they got can be tracked, they've got can be tracked, and you can only choose from games on the shelf in a physical store, not from the company's online catalog. And they do mean any pre-owned game. There won't be any restrictions or limited pools to choose from. The program starts November 19th. So what do we think about this, Patrick? You can get a good deal on Xenoblade Chronicles. (laughs) (laughs) So the reason I bring this up is because my friend Patrick here actually was previously employed by GameStop. So you Mm -hmm. have sort of uh, insider knowledge with regards to this. I have some thoughts, but I'd like to hear yours first. I think it's very interesting. Um, I mean, I, I will admit I don't have the highest opinion of GameStop. Um, especially having been in their employ for about three years. Um, oh, do tell. <laughs> uh, um, I, I think it's interesting that they're going this route because um, when um, usually, I don't know if this has changed at all, but uh, when you when you buy a pre-owned game, um, it has a seven-day um, Return policy. return policy where if even if you don't like it you can bring it back something you can't do with uh, with with new games because you know once you open a new game it's not new anymore and you really wouldn't be able to return it as a new game that's the, the logic there although I have met several times purchased a quote unquote new game from GameStop and instead of a sealed box you get a fucking disc that's neither here nor paper. there <laughs> let's not talk about that though let's not talk about that Fuck oh yes you. we've all had Fuck disappointment. You. Yes, like the that. sad disapp- the sad, the sad new game experience. What, but, what is this? But the seal on the on the no, sleeve no, means that it's no. still new. Somebody was in the back. Somebody was in the back with a hair dryer, <laughs> unsealing that shit so they could play uh, Call of Call of Duty uh, Bosun's Revenge. <laughs> Bosun's Revenge. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. Anyway, so uh, there were a lot of people that were kind of quote-unquote, abusing this Mm -hmm. as a rental system anyway. And we did have to, like, you know, discourage them from doing that. 
How do you and, discourage that? Well, th- there were... You give them a good glare. <laughs> hey, don't ye be doing this again, sonny? <laughs> well, there, there, um, there were people that we did have to cut off. Oh, from doing that. Oh, you cut off. Yeah, there was. I remember there was one guy in particular who would, uh, through no fault of his own, would have to would have to return games a lot because of because of uh, money issues, and he was like the one um, like exception to the rule that we had, but. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of people who would just like, uh, like, like get the game or ret- beat it and then return it within the week. Um, which is, you know, I mean, there's nothing stopping you from doing that. You can yeah. just bring it back and say, oh, I didn't like it. Even you're though it's working like, within the system. I mean, if, yeah, if the loophole is there, you know, well now, so now they're doing this thing and, um, it, uh, uh I guess it costs you a lot more cause, um, $60 is pretty hefty. If it was... I feel like if it was $10 a month, that would certainly be a more um, attractive option. But I, I can certainly understand why they want the money up front. I think it would I think it would depend, uh, as far as value is concerned, how many games you actually rent. Because if you, you know, sit on a game or so, maybe you only rent like two or three games, then you somehow end up with Madden 13. That's not going to be worth the $60 you paid, especially if it's like a throwaway $1 sports game. Or Guitar Hero. Um, But what if you really wanted to play Guitar Hero Metallica on the previous generation's consoles? uh, Trick question. No one wants to play (laughs) Guitar Hero Metallica on any system. There's hardly any Metallica in Guitar Hero Metallica. Um, but I digress. Um, I, I, but I do think it's an interesting uh, thing. It does seem like it would be worth, of, uh, you know, it would be worth $60. But uh, I think it would be worth it to me if I actually rented a lot of games mm-hmm. and I ended up with a game that I think would be worth more than $60. Like like I said, I don't know if they're still like this price, but they, they do have like expensive pre-owned games like i don't know if oh, um, yeah. like like xenoblade chronicles or like metroid prime trilogy are still like 80 bucks for the quote-unquote used copy um uh re- reprinted and sold as used um or if that maybe has gone that's down that's a whole different scandal yeah it's a whole different thing or if that's gone down since they were made it available on the wii u virtual console mm-hmm. um but uh yeah, it's pretty much all I really need to say. It, it, it is also interesting because because um, because employees kind of have that sort of privilege, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, at least when I when I worked at GameStop, there was a uh, a thing you could do where you could uh, effectively rent a um, a pre owned game for up to four days mm-hmm. and and put it, bring it back. Some some stores did allow you to the, the, some depending on um, on the game. Um, would allow you to do new games as well, which doesn't uh, go underused. But um, that's because... how you end up with that that uh, <laughs> disc in the in the f- paper in the paper CD holder inside of your opened new game. Yeah, officially, officially, they do that because they need to have um, blank, you know, wall copies out. Even though they have display boxes as well. But then that gets into the whole as if they couldn't just send a blank display copy or print another. Copy well, and then stick people it in a blank box. then people complain that oh you have the box out here, but how come you don't have it in stock? That's false advertising. I've had that card played on me a lot. I had that played on me when I was in retail back when I worked in an office supply store. Somebody threw a printer at me because we had the little pieces of paper for the printer out, but. We didn't actually have it in stock, so they threw it at me. It was one of those little photo printers, and they missed. I mean, but, you know. So this is really interesting to me. It It's not something that I would do, uh, first of all. I right. would just state that. But uh, interesting and risky, because from what I understand, you know, GameStop's principal source of revenue is from pre-owned games. GameStop's not, you know... And, and in particular, their bread and butter is pre-owned copies of recent games. It is. Because, say, oh, let's pick something that just came out. The Evil Within 2. Uh, GameStop sells a $60 copy of The Evil Within 2 that's brand new. GameStop makes 5 or $6 probably on that mm-hmm. uh, once everybody up and down the supply chain is paid. Yeah. Um, somebody trades in that copy of The Evil Within 2 and gets 20 bucks for it, GameStop turns around and sells it for 
Uh, that is all profit that goes directly to GameStop. So those sorts of recent games are, as I said, GameStop's bread and butter. And what they're doing is putting those on the chopping block for anyone with a subscription, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that with Gamefly, there's already sort of a, a scramble that goes on for the newest games to get them in oh, your, yeah. your inbox. That's going to happen in every GameStop. Essentially, you've you've turned GameStop overnight from a place that sells video games into a fucking blockbuster video. And we all know what happened to them. And it's that's that's the one thing that that jumps out at me is that it's it's risky for GameStop. Um, although they're going to make a huge amount on subscribers up front, they're going to lose out on most of their really the really profitable portion of their their. Um, pre-owned sales because let's mm-hmm. be real they're not making a lot of money off those dollar fifty copies of madden that they have a stack of in the back exactly and people aren't going to be checking those out they're going to be checking out the the game that just came out recently and yep. it's going to piss people off when gamestop doesn't have any pre-owned copies of those in stock as they tend not to already especially with a lot of the uh, already established clientele especially around here i guess um where there are a lot of people who I kid you not, go into a store on launch day and expect to find used copies of a game. <laughs> well, you know, they just pop it, just pop the game open. I'm surprised they don't do this often. <laughs> just pop the fucking game open and then sell it as used. <laughs> just g- give give the, the publisher five or six bucks and, uh, I remember, and just sell it as, as used. I remember when the Wii U first came out. Like I, I worked like the morning shift on launch day for the Wii U. Oof. And it, um, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't that overwhelming because... It's not like you were doing it for the Wii, I guess. Right. Um, but, uh, I remember somebody had called in like 10 minutes after we opened and asked how much we, uh, for our used Wii U's were. And I said, we don't have any used Wii U's. <laughs> the Wii U, the Wii U has U existed just, for 10 minutes. The Wii U just came out today and... We've been open for 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm imagining the person that this person hopes exists. And then, the person, they go through the line, they buy the Wii U, they sort of look down at it with a sour look on their face. They go, I don't like this. <laughs> How much do you give in trading? That, that, that's the thing, store? though. That's that's actually where this um where this phone call went. Because later on he asked, well, how much do you give for, uh, how much would you give it, um for cash for a trade to trade in a Wii U? And I told him, and he's like, and then he yelled that he was losing money and then hung up on me. He probably stole them. He probably shoplifted them. Or he got them off online or something like that because he's trying to of, scalp. And speaking of fucking over publishers, that's the second thing that jumps out at me with this GameStop thing is it's yet another way that GameStop fucks over video game publishers. Because what you're creating is a system in which pre-owned games are passed from person to person Largely in perpetuity. I mean, one goes out at the end of six months with each subscriber. That's not a tremendous amount of them. To be fair, there are some publishers I wouldn't mind having that kind of humility forced upon them, like EA or Activision or Ubisoft. Yeah, but but... does GameStop really deserve to be the recipient of all that largesse? No. Like, they don't (laughs) deserve to get that subscription money for the same pre-owned games over and over and over again while cutting off a source of revenue from the people who actually make the games. The other thing that just jumped out at me is, I don't know when the last time you've been in a GameStop is, but I've been in a GameStop not terribly long ago. They really don't have a huge number of pre-owned games. I mean, they've got... That's because... Every every GameStop, every GameStop, if I had to guess, you know, just looking at their the size of their pre-owned wall for, like, just PlayStation 4, let's say, mm-hmm. they've maybe got, conservative estimate, 150 to 200 pre-owned games. Discounting all the pre-owned games that nobody wants. The 30 copies of Destiny, the 30 copies of Madden 13. If you get... It, even if you get, you know, just a couple thousand people per GameStop who have subscribed to this program, you're you're basically removing a significant portion of the the stock, uh, the pre-owned stock from the game from the game stores, which mm-hmm. is going to piss off people who shop at GameStop. And and like myself, 
the main reason why I would go to a GameStop is because they typically do have games that are a little bit older for a pre-owned price, which is a lot lower than I could get it for on, on Amazon or, or some of that because you're buying a, a used one. <laughs> and now you're expecting all of these GameStop employees who are already working for minimum wage or something close to it yeah. to also keep track of this entire pre-owned stock as it goes floating around the local, you're 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 making them be a video game salesman in a in a video game store, and a video store clerk at the same time. You're making them do two jobs, but you're only paying them for one job, and you're not paying them particularly well for the one job to no. begin with. And not only that, but you don't really have a lot of space for the pre-owned games that you're selling or renting out when you've taken away a lot of that wall space for all of the toys and shit that you're selling now. The stinky shit! Jesus, what is this cancer? <laughs> I don't it's know. It's eating retail spaces. It's 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 got such better overhead. It was... It was that and Cricket Wireless was... I remember when we started selling... Um, when I was working at GameStop, we started selling cell phones. And it was like, this is this is fucking stupid. We should stop doing this. And Game, they didn't. GameStop is half full of nerd tchotchkes now. I went into Barnes & Noble the other day. They have more space devoted to fucking Doctor Who hats and nerd board games and fucking Funko Pops than they do to books. I have, You're a bookstore. I have Funko Pops. I know, but... <laughs> You don't have them in a bookstore. The last time I went to Barnes and Nobles, I I mean I did buy, I have bought books from there the last few times I went, but I also maybe would have I did kind of buy some Lego sets and a Gundam model. If these are the only things that are profitable, they should just open up a nerd shit store and just put all of them out of GameStop, Barnes and Noble, just put all of them out of business. The nerd shit store. We sell nerd shit. Open your wallets, nerds. Here's an Overwatch beanie and a fucking Steven Universe dildo and fucking Rick Rick and Morty soap. Also, here's a little Rick and Morty Stations of the Cross figurines. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, I mean, that's what I was gonna say. They're, they're probably doing this whole game rental thing to get people in their store to try to buy all that shit. Yeah, because if you've because... got if you've got the subscription, you're gonna go in there all the fucking time, and now you get to walk past several aisles of fucking Legend of Zelda, Lego shields, and Minecraft. Everything, just everything. Minecraft, Minecraft, everything. Minecraft and everything. Five Nights at Freddy's. Yes, they have complete sections dedicated to that shit. And I know people, and I know you know having having been a uh, an ex employee. I know people who work at the stores that I go to. They're my friends. And they don't like that shit there. So it's just that that's what that's what GameStop has become. It's just come, come for the game, stay for stay for the uh, the Pixel socks. That's what the game industry it's 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 a poignant metaphor for what the entire games industry has become, which is a series of shameless Mo movements to pander to, to, to nerd, nerd fandoms. Hipsters. Yes, hipster I, nerds. I, I don't call them nerds. They're hipsters. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. I mean, I buy that shit sometimes too, but um, not often. Please come in here and buy our Legend of Zelda cell phone chargers. Please. Please, we're going out of business. They came, they descended on the store like locusts. They said, give us the pre-owned. We want the pre-owned. We have membership cards. Would you, how about, we don't have any more pre-owned games, but we have that bat with the, with the, uh, with the razor wire on it from The Walking Dead. You want that, right? You want that, nerds? Don't you? You like so Jeffrey Dean Morgan, chucking, don't you? Chucking nerd shit over the other side of the counter, like, take it, just go. Seth MacFarlane collectibles. Go. <laughs> Do you still like Joss Whedon? I don't know. Here, here's some crap. It's, yep. made, in, it's made in China. Straight from the runoff of Foxconn factories. Here, this is the Pokemon cards and Yokai watch. It's, it's garbage. It all deserves in a, it deserves to be in a landfill. Just fucking eat it, nerds. Eat it. Choke it down. Choke it down. Here's a model of an Overwatch loot crate. There's nothing inside it. There's nothing inside it. Just like your soul. It's because you didn't pay. Blizzard.
lizard any money to have anything inside it. And oh. you wouldn't even know what it is anyway. What if there's a smaller loot crate <laughs> inside the loot crate? It's like a code for a free loot crate. That's going to be the new thing. <laughs> it's like a loot crate. You open up a loot crate, and then there's a smaller, rarer loot crate inside. And then you open up another one, and it's the like, next, to, next to rarest level. It's like glowing, and like it's shitting rainbows <laughs> at the back of the loot crate. And you're like, oh my god, oh my god, this is going to have the rare fucking G-A. Minecraft gun skin. It's going to look like a creeper, and everybody's going to love me. And my dad will finally say that I, I haven't wasted my life. And then you open it up, and it's fucking empty. <laughs> because that's what you deserve. <laughs> Patrick, I think you have a third article for us to discuss. Yeah, this was kind of um, a last-minute um, edition here. I love last-minute editions. Uh, just kind of a... I just picked a thing to have a third article here. Um, subscription uh, service EA Access may be finally coming to the PS4. Um, I don't really know what that has to do with anybody. Um, but EA Access. Okay. EA Access is basically like, um, you know how PlayStation has the uh, PlayStation Now, like the game streaming Yeah, service? of course. That's basically EA's version of it, because they have yeah. to have their own version of everything. Everyone has to have their own storefront and their own app. Yeah. And, um, and their own trading card game. Yeah, and, no, I, go on. <laughs> yeah, so um, apparently I, I, um, Sony... I don't know if there was like a falling out with Sony and EA with that, because I remember... Um, there being a, a big deal when it was, it was announced that it wasn't coming out for the PS4, and then like a bunch of EA games came off of PS Now, I think. Mm-hmm. And Sony had said that um, that they didn't think that EA, having EA access would be a good idea because it wouldn't be profitable, even though they're doing the exact same fucking thing. Mm-hmm. But apparently EA uh, access has been doing well enough on PC and Xbox One. Um so, what, you can pick up any EA game, even, like, new ones? Or is it solely, like, PlayStation Now, you can't play the latest PlayStation games on it. It's it's, it's mostly, there's a few PS4 games, but it's primarily it's PlayStation 3. PlayStation games. 3. I guess that's the way that they made backwards compatibility with it. Because I remember... Yeah, by charging you out the ass for it. Yeah, I remember, I remember when, um, when, like when there were still rumors surrounding the PS4 and they said that it's going to be fully backwards compatible and if you have the disc for your old PS1, PS2, or PS3 games, you can put them in and it would basically read that you have the game and then stream the game. Stream that game. So that you don't have to pay anymore and and now you pay like 16 bucks a month to stream most but not all PS3 games. You know, I believe in giving credit where credit's due. You know who is really good on backwards compatibility? Was that Nintendo? And in ways that you wouldn't even suspect. I played Mario Kart 8 yesterday with my kid, and we used on the Wii U, and we used the Wii U tablet, mm-hmm. the Wii U Pro controller, and a Wii Motion Plus controller from the Wii. Can you imagine well, yeah. any other game company other than Nintendo saying, Oh, yeah, sure. You can use the controller from last generation on this thing. Yeah, that's fine. It'll work. Can you imagine Sony being like, Nah, fuck it. You don't need to buy any more controllers for the PlayStation 4. Just hook your fucking PS3 controllers. Fuck, hook your PlayStation 2 controllers up. They all got the same buttons anyway. (laughs) Why the fuck not? You know, it's... it's That is is something that should be a no-brainer for the industry, but it's completely fucking stupid... In the same way that Apple, you know, having three different proprietary charge cables is fucking stupid. Oddly enough, though, uh, that's if, capitalism. If you use uh, if you use a wire, you can you can play uh, you, you can use a DualShock Four on a PS3. Hmm, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's not backwards compatible. That's like the inverse of backwards compatible. It's like it's like when there were Game Boy Color games that the original Game Boy could that's play. Forward compatible. I don't know what you'd call that exactly. I think that's exactly what it's called. We promise that you can use the PlayStation 5 controller on your PS3. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I care about that again? It's the killer app. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Talk about the, the EA Access. Um, it might be coming to PlayStation 4. Do they say how it much was... it costs? Do they say... Uh, no. Um, it was just going to come with free-to-play currency? No. Um, it doesn't say anything like that. I just, like I said, I just kind of picked this one at random, and it just turned out to be not much on there. Sorry about that. That's okay. It happens to the best of us. It happens to lots of guys, Patrick. 
We need more preparation for these things. We do. At we the are very not least, terribly prepared. We're, we come ready to rant, but <laughs> well, hey, that's that's fine. Um, this is going to be edited out. <laughs> oh yeah, we're going to edit out that dead space certainly. Dead space. Speaking of which, uh, let's think of something else quick to talk about. I don't know. So this is our struggle session where we discuss exactly what's wrong with the podcast and how to fix it. I think we should get rid of Patrick and replace him with a talking robot. Or possibly a sassy talking dog. <laughs> a female dog. A female dog who's also a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying you wouldn't listen to a podcast with me and a talking lesbian dog? I don't know. Because I think, think that'd be a good-ass podcast. In but, fact, I think we'd call it good-ass podcast. <laughs> Depending on who you ask, that lesbian part might be pandering. Oh, I'm all about pandering. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a thing for another day. I want to do that in a different, in another episode. There's this... Um, yeah, I can, I can rant about Supergirl then. ...article about... Well, it's not about video games. I know, but it still goes under that sort of pandering thing. I wanted to talk in a future episode about Overwatch and how it, it is not actually... There's this article in Rock, Paper, Shotgun about how Overwatch is supposed to be the friendliest game ever. And that's not really true at all. It's actually incredibly it, cynical with its pandering. But that's yeah. for a different episode. So do you want to go ahead and call it here? I suppose so. All right. Well, next week, uh, Greg and Patrick will return with another deep, helping of video game news and content for your earlobe needs. And possibly a talking dog. And a talking lesbian. We can make the dog whatever ethnicity and sexual orientation you want. Please listen to us. Gee golly, I guess we could we could buy guns if that would make you happy? Would that make you happy if we bought guns? Would it make you I happy? Live, I live right around the corner from a gun store. Let's do Let's go. Yes! <laughs> Alright. Ne next episode three. Live from the gun store. <laughs> Until next time, I've been Greg. And I've been Patrick. And uh, we will see you next week. Have a good one.